looks good for James Stewart right now. A half a lap to go and a three and a half second lead over Kennard. He continues to hold those KTMs at bay. So our big talking point at the beginning of this show, could someone else outside of those two KTM riders mount a challenge and get the win today? Stewart and Kennard have risen to the challenge. And what was the other stat Georgia brought up to the show? Mm. The last six years in a row, the rider that won Mount Morris went on to win the title. That's right. So, I'm just saying, keep that in mind so when we get to round 12, <laughs> we can see if that becomes seven in a row. For number seven. Yeah. I'm sure Stewart's going to be pumped when they tell that one. Lucky number seven. Yeah, that's the stat coming in. Uh, in the six straight years of the rider that won this race, won the 450 title. So we'll see if Stewart can make that happen. He was 30 points behind coming in, but as you mentioned, you can make that stuff up. He's going to gain about six on Roxon at least today. Roxon, well, actually more because he's got Kennard sandwich between him. Roxon making a desperate last second charge at Kennard. He's running out of time. James Stewart wins. My point, he goes one run. And look at how close it was. Roxon was trying to get those spots. One of the points from Kennard. Kennard pushed Stewart all the way to the end. We were talking about can these guys close up the gap. Look right there. You don't get much closer than that. So that gap no. is tight. A Pulp MX Network production. A series of the most exciting action imaginable. Welcome to the Liat Re-Raceables presented by Maxxis Tires, Scott Goggles, and Pro Taper. Mathis and Weege revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Lee at Re-Raceables podcast. Thank you for listening, subscribing, telling a friend, and all of that. 2014 High Point is the race on this show, and we'll tell you why in a second. Uh, a couple of uh, big deals at this one. Uh, really, thanks to the folks at Lee for making it happen. The 9.5, 8.5 helmets, 5.5 flex lock boots, 6.5 velocity goggles, so on and so forth. Lee uh, regardless of uh, how tough things are going, if you jump on a motorcycle, jump on a mountain bike, uh, it's really great, and it's great therapy, and the folks at Lee believe in that. And so thank you to the folks at Liat. If you use the code on uh, Pulp, or not code, sorry, if you use the contact form on pulpamex.com, email us. We'll, we'll give you a code to save with the folks at Liat. It's really that simple. And, uh, yeah, thank you from those guys for coming on board. And uh, great protection company, great uh, mountain bike products, dirt bike products, all of that. And uh, Solitaire, Yamaha guys, I mean, everybody loves them. They wear Liat gear. Uh, thank you to Maxis, Scott, Guts, Decal Works, all on board with us. We'll tell you more about them later on as well. There's codes to save with those guys. And, uh, yeah, good good race today uh, with me on the line to talk about it and more. The Jason Wagon. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Have we done this race before? How have we not done this race before? Are you sure we haven't already done it? I don't believe so. No. Um, yeah, why would we have done it? We There's only one man to talk about when it comes to this race, and we've only had him on the show once. So Yeah, okay, so that's our check sheet. We know we did not do it before. 2014 yeah. High Point Weege. There is a reason you picked this one. Uh, yeah, well, multiple reasons. The race itself, very intriguing. And because of that reason, uh, we've launched a new YouTube channel here at RacerX. It's called the RacerX Video Vault. 
kind of capitalize on the vault being our results database as well. So we have access to a lot of these old races because um, MX Sports is right next door. And we just never posted them. And I've been begging for years. I'm like, just put this stuff on YouTube. People want to see it. Now, some of these races, I mean, Steve, you and I do this research for the show. You'll randomly find things. Some races are on YouTube. Some races are not. Actually, the newer you go, the less common it is. But uh, we're going to start posting stuff there. So this is the one we picked to be the first. Racer X Video Vault, like and subscribe. And you can watch High Point 2014. And the reason it's intriguing is because it's James Stewart's last win. But, oh, no, that's not all. In typical James fashion, right, Steve? It cannot be just that simple. It can't just be his last win. The reason it's his last win is as weird, wild, bizarre, and mysterious as any other last win ever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can't go. It can't be easy. It can't be by the book with James Stewart, right? There's always got to be something going on. Um, at this point, James is on Yoshimura Suzuki. He's got out of his JGR deal a couple years into his uh, Suzuki tenure. And, uh, yeah, th- this race was his last win. But, Weege, there was a rumor, and I'd heard it from some people around this time, that somebody had tested positive for something in Supercross and a suspension was coming. And do you remember hearing that? Oh, yeah, that day at the track, or maybe even both days, maybe Friday and Saturday, you were definitely hearing someone had tested positive and someone was going to get it. And that's all I heard. I didn't know who. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, I I agree, the same kind of things. And it turns out it was James Stewart. And, um, yeah, this was his last win. The news came out the the week after this race, I believe. Uh, James kept racing, you know, while the appeal was going on and things were happening behind the scenes. And he kept racing and and, um, it kind of went south from here. This was maybe James Stewart's last shining moment on the racetrack because the rest of this outdoor season, there was three or four after this, where he just didn't do anything, I think, because he knew the suspension was coming. And then he took a year off, or he had to take a year off. He comes back. He's he's heavier, out of shape. We don't see any stew moments uh, from his brief time there. He races, I don't know, six, eight more times, uh, and then he calls it a career. And that's it. Washugo, Benny Bloss, did it to him. Um, yeah, no, no. and that was that year. I mean, remember he got... A hit by Dunge and Anaheim won. Um, you know, that w- that took him out for a while, and he tried to come back, and he was struggling. Mm-hmm. Probably got knocked out at that Anaheim race. Tried some outdoors. That wasn't working. It was just, yeah. it was not the same. Yep. It, this is the last moment of brilliance from Stu. Now, it's funny because when you go through the Stu-Suzuki years, I got to be honest, when I go through the vault, Stu-Suzuki years, he wins more than I thought he did. I knew there were wins, obviously. There's some great runs. Toronto comes to mind and and uh, a few others. And oh, when his first two races, when he started with Suzuki, he went 1-1-1-1 one, yeah. one, 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 with Dunge yep. one second behind him in all four motos. And anyways, uh, I went through the vault. I was looking. Shit, he did win a lot of races on Suzuki. More than I thought, you know? Yeah, I think we just got clouded by, you know, he didn't win the titles. You know, so it really is the RV era, mostly, uh, that time. You know, RV winning four straight Supercross titles. And two outdoor titles in this span. But uh, it didn't mean James didn't win. And what I do wonder is, uh, I always say the guys that you, I said this a million times, you always think the first thing that goes is the speed because speed is like daring and wild and risky. But I always say it's actually just that being that good every day, the consistency goes first. Uh, You see the older guys, uh, Kevin Windham was the prime example of this, maybe even Chad in his older years. They can still win here and there, but when they're not feeling it, it's not the same. Prime, 
Chad, Prime, James, there were no days where they weren't fast enough to win, right? Every single day, mm -hmm. they're fast enough to win. And I just I just think, like, as you're older, you probably have aches and pains. And maybe you do worry about the risk. The day you're not feeling it, maybe that's the day you now take fourth, where at 23 years old, I mean, they weren't taking anything. It was pedal to the metal all the time. So I think maybe this had transitioned a little bit into that opportunist mode, as I call it, where when he's feeling it, he still knew how to ride. He still knew how to win. He could do it. But are you feeling it uh, 28 times a year? And I think that's the first thing that goes with these guys, not the all-out speed, mm -hmm. the having that speed every weekend. Ten wins on a Suzuki for James from 2012 to yep. 2014. I mean, yeah. we, we and, uh, There was a brief time in this 2014 season. Uh, it was getting tense. Like I think it was a serious, even for the title, threat. Uh, 2012, 2013, it was too up and down, even on the Suzuki. He was never really in the title hunt, I'd say. Could definitely in any given weekend win. But 2014, man, in Supercross, he won a couple in a row, and I think the pressure was on. Like, he was looking good. After this high point win, he's 22 back of Roxon for the lead. So, still a little bit. Oh, he's in it. Yeah, he's, he's but he's in it. Yeah, he's in it. Um, oh, I mean, there's what? At this point, 14 motos to go or something? 22 points. Yep. 16 uh, motos. No to go. big deal. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. He started off rough at Glen Helen and Hangtown. Rough for James Standard, anyways. Then he wins a moto. He gets on a box at Hangtown. He wins a moto at Thunder Valley and then goes 1 1. He leads every lap at this high point race except for one. Oh. And, and that man is Chad Reed. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Chad Reed leads the first lap, uh, the first moto on a 2 2 Kawasaki. And uh, Stu's all over him. Stu gets him back uh, after the mechanics area. Yeah. Or Stu gets it's, him after the mechanics area. It, it, it's wild. And at this point, Chad, his better outdoor days were well behind him. He wasn't a race win guy outdoors anymore. Could still do it in Supercross. But just wild that it went like that. You know, Chad was really having ups and downs outdoors. But on this particular day, he nailed his starts. And then you got to see James and Chad up front again. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it was uh, it was nuts to see that when you're going back and, and we're watching. This is UGL and Georgia Lindsay. Georgia Lindsay, she does a good. She does a good job. She she's uh, you know, we talk Aaron Bates and we talk um, some of the NBC chicks, right? And of course, um, 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 Will who people have been now. around a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah Will a Christian nowadays. Will yeah. Christian, and we talk about Georgia. It, it fits right in there. She does a good job. I always feel. I felt like so. You know, it's funny. This is actually 2014. This was the first year for her, and well, for both GLs, Georgia Lindsay and Grant Langston. It was the first year for both. Uh, really? And it was for, cool because for, who'd you have before this, Fro? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Would have been wow, Fro. I really um, felt like GL was there longer. Fourteen yeah. was his first year. Okay. The reason it sticks out to me is that um, you know, Roxon goes on to win this title as a rookie, which is super impressive. And Georgia and Grant, they kind of had some like kinship because obviously Georgia had worked with Kenny in the GPS, so I think that was made the transition easier for her. Mm -hmm. And uh, as for Langston, for him to see like the KTM has imported this young, hot talent over from the GPs, uh, I think he always felt a little connection there to Roxon because GL was the original that. Uh, so that was cool. I remember it sticking out. That's how I know it was 2014. Uh, they just thought it was cool. They kind of had a little bit of connection to what? the main storyline of the year, which is Roxon winning. But that's what makes this win by Stu that much more impressive. It's not just that he went 1-1. It's who he had to beat. And how easy yeah. he made it look. Yeah, yeah. Roxon Dunge just really didn't have anything for him. Nope. 
Yeah, and they were really good. I mean, these are this is Roxon and Dunch, and they were on their game that year. But they, he had them covered, man. Anytime someone would make a run in either moto, James would just turn it up. It was very Jet Lawrence like. I feel like the way he did it. And I don't feel like. Well, I guess this is maybe this is a dumb thing to say, but I don't feel like um, High Point was one of Stu's tracks. But maybe it's dumb in the sense that they're all Stu's tracks, right? Because he's he won everywhere. <laughs> But you know what I mean? He like said I don't, in his interview, he sucks at this track usually. Yeah, I don't remember like ever thinking, oh, it's high point, it's James Stewart, watch out. Like he was blazing fast everywhere. But yeah. Yeah. Um This is also Roxon, by the way. Uh had a very vivid conversation with him at at Iron Man of this year. Was this the last race, Iron Man? Was Iron Man around in fourteen? I don't know. I was think that was the first year of it. I gotta look that up now. Uh yep. Okay, let me look. No, Utah. Okay, I'll keep talking. No, it's, it's so no, oh, no. But still. Iron Man is there. Uh, round eleven, Utah. It ends at Utah, which. Oh, okay. That got at Utah. Just ended permanently. Anyways, yeah, it was at Iron Man. I was talking to Kenny. He must have clinched the title by then, and he just told me how he hates the bike and he's going to RCH and he just hates this bike. And I'm like, you just oh, beat yeah, Ryan Dungey outdoors. You just literally beat Ryan Dungey outdoors. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, but the bike sucks. Um, I, I, and I, yep. was, I just sat there and I was like, this is where I'm at. This is what, what's happening in the world. This man hates this motorcycle. Well, it's the point I bring up with our guest here in a minute is that Suzuki was already getting criticized for not updating their bikes. But, I mean, Ken Roxon leaving KTM to ride a Suzuki is really one of the all-time, one of the all-time a guy just liked a certain bike that much. I mean, it was so clear that KTM was on the move up and Suzuki was on the move down. And yet Roxon picked a Suzuki because he was familiar with the Suzuki. And yeah, I remember your interview with him. He didn't like the KTM. He didn't. No. And at that point, KTM's like taking over the world and he just didn't want to stay. The German kid that got, you know, signed by an Austrian team and won a world title and then came to America yeah. just didn't fit. It didn't work. <laughs> No, no, but it's both the, the, it's odd that he thought that bike wasn't good, but it's also this crazy feel that these guys had for the Suzuki Mm -hmm. of this era where like Kenny was just wanting to get back on one. And, and then James Stewart, like basically riding for pennies when he had had so much value, he had to get on a Suzuki. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, people are criticizing the bike for being old and I'm like, bro. Yeah. Maybe the two biggest names in the sport are literally like, I will ride for free. I just want to ride a Suzuki. The, uh, yeah, no, it's, we live in bizarro <laughs> world sometimes, Weech. The, uh, yeah. uh, the track too, this is, this is prime high point, like ruddy, dried up by the second moto, ruts in the corners. It was rainy or muddy in the morning. This is just, when I, when I'm on my deathbed and I, and if someone asks me, what was high point like, grandpa? I'm going to I'm going to think of this way. This track. This is exactly it. Not too muddy, not too dry and uh and dried up ruts. Yep. Um it is tricky though, man. You go back and watch this and uh the, what these guys were able to do and the tracks were more rutted then. You know, we've seen the last what is it? 3 years now. They've mm-hmm. gone a little less with the watering in the morning and ripping and making them a little shallower, so to speak. Um it's that never-ending debate over you know, the slot car lines or the flatter track, which better? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe it was well, high, uh, it's also Unadilla very poss- this year also. It's very What's possible, that? too, we got rain in the morning of this race. Who knows? It was high point. Yeah, yeah. but in general, yeah. the tracks got crazy rutted. They're not as rutted currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was in the super rut era. I remember even high point. Or sorry, not just high point, but I think Unadilla this year. Mm-hmm. Kennard wins a great battle. And, dude, the skill these guys have in these ruts – 
when they come down the what do we call it a high point like that staircase those downhill rollers yep downhill rollers sure. and then the way this track is this year they jump like onto like a table and dude it is so sketch like it's these gnarly square ruts the bike is bouncing around and they've got to jump and land perfectly on this table and every one of them launches sideways and the bike is kicking sideways and they land on the table and they recover and then they jump off the table into more baked hard ruts yeah and i think it's off camber that jump i think it leans to the left and watching any one of these guys dunn stew canard oxen anybody that's up front they're doing it every lap and it's like it should be like a oh my god i'm gonna die moment and they're yeah. just Dude, they're just yep. going. It doesn't even bother them. Chad gets a whole shot of Moto too, too. By the way, yeah, Stu gets him in the first <laughs> unreal. Just, just CR, just CRJS. It just has to happen, yeah, man. right? At some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. Uh, it. Yep. This is just great race by Stu, man. Um, really, really, uh, just so smooth. It's not the when it, trying to win by a minute, gnarly no. scrubs and jumping something. It. I said it was. As I said, it was like very Jet Lawrence-like. Like, I just need to get about a two-second lead on these guys, mm -hmm. and I'll just maintain. Yep. And if I got to go a little faster, I'll go a little faster. But if I don't, I won't. It was – and you wonder if we were going to get a lot more of that in, like, the back half of James' career. Yeah, I wonder the the, the, the great question, right, if he doesn't get suspended, um, you know, absolutely insane, insanity that we lost these guys, Tickle, Stu, we lost yeah. Cade for as long as we did. Just absolutely insanity, the, the rules and – the regulations yet somehow no mxgp guys ever ever got in trouble uh, it's phenomenal who knew but anyways um that's another rant for another day but um yeah you just wonder what would Stu have looked like like what i think it's just more of the same right i don't think he wins another championship but i think we have just more of the same days there where he dominates and then days where he crashes out or days where he just kind of gets sixth like he did at the opener you know so but, uh, well, what makes it even more of a mystery, Stu has said, you know, he thought he might be able to come back for 2015, like since they were not telling him what the hell was going on. And he says he was ripping in the preseason, which obviously everybody says. But remember, 2015 was the hashtag who's next. Villapoto is gone. Uh, that was a lot of wind in the sails for a lot of guys. So I'm sure if you ask James, he was going to win the Supercross title in 2015. Maybe mm -hmm. he was, maybe he wasn't. But I, the motivation... And the fire was definitely still there. And then having to skip all of 2015, that ended it. But, yeah, if he just got suspended for a few months and raced 2015, he would have been great. Yep. God, he looks good watching this, too. We were watching it. He looks he looks smooth, like you said. Just not like James Stewart. Lee at Re-Raceables. No. Uh, thank you to the folks at Max's Tires. Mountain bike tires, uh, great uh, light truck tires, trailer tires, and of course they got the the, the gift to you from the Moto nerds to the uh, from the science nerds to the Moto kids. The new soft intermediate intermediate to hard terrain tire from Maxxis, Maxxis.com, shop.maxxis.com, and they got a paddle tire now available as well. So they've redeveloped some of the motocross tires with the help of some guy named Jeremy McGrath. And uh, check it out, please. Max's Tires, thank you to those guys. Decal Works as well. Weege, I just put some Decal Works stuff on my brand new uh, 2024 Blue Crew. Although, I, White Crew, I guess. I got the 50th Anniversary Edition one. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the graphics are great, man. They, they came out perfectly. They, they go on easy. Uh, all the logos. I picked all the logos for the rear fender. I picked all the, all the sponsors I wanted to put on. They did that for me. Uh, and it was super easy. I got a proof beforehand that I approved and everything. So... Thank you for the folks at Decal Works. Pulp MX23 is the code to save with those guys. Also, official, also official graphics for uh, Lane Wygan as well. Decal Works. Uh, yes, um, and that uh, I'm actually going to be selling two of his 50s, both the 50 and the electric 50 today. 
And he said, wait, why would anyone buy this bike? It has my numbers on it. And I'm like, people can get other numbers. Um, I guess he thought maybe it'd be permanent. Like, that's it. You well, can't ever I, sell the bike. I, th I think Lane knew the, the quality of the glue and the decal works. Maybe is, that's it. You know? Maybe yeah. that's it. He, yep. he, he knew that. It's going to be a sad day here, losing his 50s. But well, uh, you can get, part of life, kid. Did you get new decal MX for the 60, 65? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. I mean, they crushed it. They did replica Club MX graphics. Um, it looks so good on the YZ65. Great job, Decal Works. Speak of, um, speaking of guys who you know kind of just could send it and, and grab a win here and there, this is also a canard moment as well. And there's a few of those. We had Trey on a few weeks, a few shows back. He's on it in this second moto. Yeah, it's great. So Yeah, he beats Dunge and Roxon. So second moto, Dunge is behind him. He's battling Trey the whole time. He washes the back end out, I think, and crashes. And then Kenny puts a charge in at the end to get Trey. Yep. And Trey holds Kenny off. And that was kind of the way it was that year. And then uh, I think was this the year that he got the – he switched to KYB at Unadilla and then just – yeah, it yeah, was. At the end and of the year, all yeah. all of a sudden he just yep. went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, went 1-1 one, one at the end of the year. Yeah. You look at this yeah. – uh, some guy named Philip Nicoletti too, 8-12. <laughs> well, even better, uh, I looked at those results. Second moto, Phil gets 12th and Freddie Noren gets 13th. And I'm like, good Lord. Ten years later, practically. I mean, what were the last couple national motos of 2023? Yeah, probably like 10s and 11s and 12s. Yeah. Of those two battling, <laughs> him and Freddie. Right, right. Ten yeah. years later, still insane. I love that about this sport. All this stuff goes down, different teams, injuries, in and out, up and down, blah, blah, blah. And they get in a racetrack, and they're the same speed. Yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, Crazy. I, I want to thank our, our guest, too, uh, Mike Webb. Admit it, Weege. You didn't. We were trying to do this with with um, Rarick, and it didn't quite work out. And then if we're, we didn't really text James. We didn't think that was going to happen. Probably not. Um, and then um, really admit it, Weege. That was a great pull by me to get Mike Webb. It, it really was, and uh, it makes me feel doubly bad because for about five years now, I've been like, I need to call Mike Webb and do a podcast with him one of these days because I don't think anyone's heard from him since I, the Suzuki team just died. Like it just stopped. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't even know if you could say he quit or got fired. It just ceased to exist. The team's just done. I uh, no, I t I've talked to Mike. I text with Mike every now and then. So we're okay. yeah, just different or Instagram comments or a text or whatever. I've always liked Mike Webb. Yeah, and, no, but uh, I mean like publicly. Yeah, there hasn't been anything, and I keep meaning to do it. Uh, and then Strang, Josh Strang, won a GNCC two weeks ago, and that was kind of uh, Mike really discovered him and brought him in. So I'm like, ah, oh, good for Mike. I got to give him a call one of these days. And then, like, there it is yesterday. You're like, Mike Webb. And I still have his number on my phone, so I knew that's who you were texting. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, it's a great call. Yeah. Get Mike Webb on here. Longtime off-road, Suzuki off-road manager. And then uh, he got promoted, um, or maybe demoted uh, in his <laughs> eyes, um, to motocross team manager after Roger DeCoster and Ian Harrison left. And then uh, he took over the last year of Ryan Dungey. And then he really, behind the scenes, was was really making this this thing happen with Stu. And yeah, it's uh, interesting. Do, here's trivia for you. Do you know when um, when Mike Webb moved over to the motocross side, do you know who became team manager of the Suzuki GNCC team? You will love this. Chris Wheeler? Yeah. 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 I think I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Wheeler became team manager. I think it was a one and done. I he, think the team completely folded after that. He he was. Well, I think he was R&D, and so they stopped doing R&D. They, they stopped doing both. Um, okay, and I think and okay. Wheeler was standing in there with nothing to do, and they said, yeah, you go go manage off-road team. Um, we didn't even get into uh, Rhino Works 
series stuff with Webb either. So that's maybe another oh, podcast to epic. do with Mike Webb. But uh, yeah, Mike had a lot of success in the sport uh, as a manager, and of course, brother of Wolfman Webb from Dirt Bike Magazine way back in the day. And uh, so it was nice to uh, nice to talk to Mike about this and uh, and High Point, and more more in general about the Stu years and things like that. Uh, shall we bring him in? Yeah, love Mike Webb. We go way, way back, like the very earliest days for me. This industry is working GNCC. And um, I, mean, I remember the first race I did, which was 2001, John Penton GNCC. And uh, he was a team manager of the biggest team there. I mean, Suzuki had the biggest team, the most effort in GNCC. KTM was not close, which is hard to imagine now. And uh, get, you know, what, the fact that Webb and Rodney Smith and Mike Kudrowski and Steve Hatch, who were their riders, the fact that those four were that cool. Uh, that really got me in the door, and then it was wild. Then I had already kind of moved on to full-time in motocross and supercross, and then Mike came over, so we kind of reunited. And here's the thing I always noticed. Suzuki had, and he'll talk about this in this, Suzuki had the most budget, the most effort. They were the premier GNCC team. And I feel like Mike had a different persona because he was on the dominant team there, and here you could tell that he was on the scrappy team that was trying to make things happen against the Giants, even though they had James Stewart. It was still the have-not team of the factories, and it was. I think he was in a much different position uh, on the motocross side than where he was off-road. Yeah, uh, great guy. And uh, so yep. we talked to Mike Webb here on the Lee at Reraceables about this race, High Point, and then Stu years and, and more. Uh, so here's here's Mike Webb, myself, and Weech. All right, we've been talking 2014 High Point here on the Lee at Reraceables, and uh, why not get a man that was directly involved in uh, in this nice day for James Stewart, although a little bittersweet, as we as we spoke about. Uh, Yoshimura, Team Suzuki factory manager back then, Mike Webb. What's up, Mike? How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, hope you guys are well. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, we, you know, this is such a great race, and and then like I said too, and like we talked about off the top, a little bittersweet as well. Uh, this was. Let's let's rewind a little bit before we get to this race. Uh, you were very instrumental with working with James to get him over to Suzuki. Is the post JGR world? Um, what what was it like finally saying like you know hey he's he's going to ride for us he's going to race outdoors for us what what was that like for you? It was uh, it was quite a journey because he and I had actually been talking before that um, about the right when he was signing with JGR he and I were talking also about coming over and it. It kind of went back and forth and back and forth, and I'm pretty sure we went back there and tested with him first and thought we had it done, and then he ended up staying with JGR, and then that kind of didn't go the way they were hoping, um, and, he, and he called me up midway through it. And he said, look, I, I can get out of this deal. I, um, I want to switch. I want to get on the yellow bike, and, and we were able to make it happen. Was it a ton of uh... – uh, back then, of course, Suzuki much more involved in racing than nowadays. Was it a ton? Well, of- they actually raced back then. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, was how much? Uh, how many? How hard was it to pull all the strings and get Japan involved and get America involved and and like was it just a, a, a monumental occasion or or was did the doors swing open pretty easy to to get James on? Like, what was that like? Well, it was strange because they were super worried about the legalities with his contract with Yamaha. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the Japanese corporations were were always wary of, of lawsuits and things like that, especially regarding another, you know, Kawasaki or Honda or Yamaha. So they, they were real tentative about that. But, you know, he was able to, he had a clause, he was able to get out, he was able to do it. And um, then once they they realized that they were they were on board 
But it was also a strange time, too, because I think it was actually the start of when Suzuki was beginning to downsize and they were they knew they were eventually going to pull out of racing. This was this was all happening behind the scenes and I didn't know about it at the time, but that was going on as well. So yep. I thought I thought there was going to be a massive like way to go. You pulled in James and it was a little bit lukewarm. It was like, oh, okay, if you can make this happen, that's great. So, yeah. <laughs> um, he also may or may not have been riding a Suzuki during the week while he was on JGR, uh, from what I understand. So he, he got a Suzuki and was practicing on it and loving it, right? He loved the way – I mean, look, uh, that era Suzuki compared to a at that era backwards Yamaha, I could imagine how much better he could turn that Suzuki, you know? Uh, he probably was yeah. loving it, yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, he told me he was straight up scared on that Yamaha mm -hmm. because, he, I mean, he was still James. He would still send it and, yeah. and you know, just, you know, like, okay, this is what I normally do in this situation, this rhythm lane, whatever it is, the bike better work right. And it didn't. Yeah. And he was hitting the ground and he couldn't figure out why. And he was really losing his confidence. And he got on the Suzuki and it was much more neutral and, and he got his confidence back really quick. I, uh, it's so funny. Um, it was so odd how I, I said this at one point, Suzuki was already starting to get heat for like not updating its bike and they were getting made fun of. And I'm like, yeah, but by the way, James Stewart said he wants to ride this bike basically for free. Ken Roxon left, uh, KTM because he wanted to get back on a Suzuki. Travis Pastrana is still riding Suzuki's basically for free. Cause he loves Suzuki. Carmichael's still involved with Suzuki. I'm like, there's a disconnect between the reputation and then what people are saying. They're like, now, nah, if I could just pick a bike, I'm just picking that bike. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because you're so right. Despite themselves, they made brilliant product. Uh -huh. you know, they, they didn't know how to market it. They half-assed the racing part of it. But they, the engineers could make some really, really good product. And and they had a history of great products. So, so, yeah, you're right. James, like... The money he was getting from Yamaha, I remember, I remember when I flew out there to meet with him, and and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't even touch that, James. And he goes, don't worry, let's figure out something. Get me close to this number, which was way, way below the Yamaha number. He goes, some good bonuses, and he goes, I'll, I'll do it. That's how much he wanted to get on the bike. So, mm -hmm. But but in, in going back to what you said about Suzuki, it's like, yeah. despite themselves and i used to always say this jesus you know we're we're successful despite all the idiotic things that are going on it, it used well, to make me nuts you know at some point around this era and i was getting it from both sides i was buddies with carrie hart and buddies with watson and then friends with you mike and like you know we got h and h suzuki and they're getting stuff and you guys are the official factory team and there's like just i don't know if hate is too strong of a word but it's almost like they're sabotaging each other to 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 run the Suzuki program, and like it just was a weird time for Suzuki and you guys and and the teams and everything. I, I don't, I never quite understood it. Where I was like, well, Suzuki Japan must be like, what is going on in America? You know. Well, you know, you're, it was really a really weird time because I like in order to get James. I mean, I did everything I could. I scraped up every penny. I went every avenue I could to get revenue to get him. And like I said, I think this was the beginning of Suzuki with a probably a seven-year plan of eventually getting out of racing. Mm -hmm. And and this is, was the start, and none, none of us knew it. So, and we were coming off the the heyday years of you know Dungey and spending millions and 
all of a sudden we're like, wow, we don't, we're not getting the same response from upper management on these ideas. And what, for me to get James took so much work and so much effort. And finally, I, you know, it seemed like America was coming around to it, the American management. And they're going, okay, okay, you can do it. But this is all the money you're getting. This is it, period. I'm like, okay. And what pissed me off was, I think two months later, three months later, they're going, oh, by the way, we, we signed the, you know, the heart and the RC program. Um, and you're going to share your, your factory, you know, equipment mm -hmm. with them. And, and I'm like, what? I, I busted my ass for a year, for six months to a year to pull this thing off. You guys said you have no money. You have zero money. <laughs> and all of a sudden you can support another race team. And, yeah. and I, I was so pissed off. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, something's going on here. And and then then the weird thing was, and you got, you know, Steve, from racing factory level, it's like you're so protective of everything you have, of the equipment and the, the resources and the knowledge. And they were like, OK, open up your books to RCH. And yeah. show, show them everything you've done, all your testing data, all your all your background, share all your product, all your knowledge with Japan. And I'm like. What? And it was it was nothing against RC or R. Carey at all. It it could have been anybody, and I would have had the same reaction because it was like, wait a minute, I'm they're asking me to give up half of what we've struggled to pull off, and now I'm supposed to just give it away. And yeah, it was it was a weird weird time. Yeah, absolutely. But he gets on the RMZ in that 2012 outdoors, and he wins the first four motos. Yeah, I mean. That those are pretty epic races. We we should think about doing some of those. Um, oh yeah. In, until the photographer incident in Colorado, but boy, right. like you know, you want to talk about everything turning up gold for you, Mike. At that point, the dude well, just starts it, winning. Yeah. We went to we went to Glen Helen before. Uh, what was the first one? Was Texas back then? Uh, Hangtown. Hangtown. Hangtown okay. Yeah, and uh, we went to Glen Helen to test, and I literally our jaws were in the ground he was he was the stew of old we were shocked how fast he was going and I, and i remember thinking talking to my engineers it's like damn if he stays healthy we can pull off every race this year he, he was yeah. that, that impressive on the suzuki wow yeah yeah i remember talking to you once and the bike the bike actually did change somewhat more than people realize. I think people think it was the same bike from like 2007 that you were riding at this point, all the way through like 16, 17 when you were. When was your? When were you done there? Did you go I, through 17? I, I, would, I think 17 was the right. Uh, yeah. Over that, I think people are like the same bike Carmichael was riding when he retired. They're still racing 10 years later, but it actually did have some changes, right? Yeah, it had. It. I think it went through two chassis revolutions and quite a bit of. Uh, motor stuff so yeah, yeah. It, it had changed just they always kept the same plastic and and I, that would make me nuts too i'm like geez just change the plastic so the public knows it's different and th they would change the chassis and make it better and do some engine mods and suspension things but always keep the same plastic so no one you know who's typical suzuki about that once and you're like change the plastic so people know it's different they're like and you'd say they're really like is the different plastic going to make it perform better? And you're like, no, it just needs to look different. And they're like, but if it doesn't perform better, why? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what they said. And I, I would just hit my head on the wall going, okay. Oh, man. Um, all right, should we talk hot point here, Steve? 
Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, uh, no, no. I got, I got one more. Oh, we got more. Uh, you well, coming <laughs> the Web Suzuki edition. Yeah, I mean, look, we could go. I mean, we can go Rodney Smith. We can start talking Kudowski. Oh, I, we, you know, I'd love that. Hey, you guys, trying one not too long ago. Mike. I was so pumped for him. Yeah. I was so happy. Yeah, that was great. I, I did a podcast with him too. I just, I, I love Strang. He's such a such a good dude. So, um, no, I guess uh, this is. 2014 high point we're talking. Stu goes 1-1. He leads every lap but one, as we were talking about. Um, I guess I, before we talk about this race, there were rumors of a positive test by someone and a penalty was coming. Um, did you know, Mike, beforehand that it was James and there was a penalty coming before this race? Because I know in the pits I had heard that and from some people that would know, I never found out the rider's name or anything else until you know after this high point thing. But did you know, Mike? No, I didn't know. In, in fact, we we won the race, and, and you know, every time James had lulls when he was with me, so he'd win, and then we'd have five crummy races. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. Then he'd win again, and you'd be all pumped. So we won it. We I flew home. The next Monday, we're in a the you know post race debrief with all the engineers. I'm in the middle of the meeting in the morning, and I get a phone call from. Rod Lapuznak, who's now at Triumph, but he was the head guy at Suzuki at the time. And uh, I excuse myself from the meeting, and I go, "What's up?" He goes, "He goes, dude. He goes, I just heard that there was a failed drug test from Supercross, and it was James." And I'm like, I remember my heart just dropped. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, because we, you know, it went from the highest high. We had just gone one one, overcome all this adversity with injuries and everything else, and it's like. Are you kidding me? And and from what I remember, I believe Jeff Cernick was in Europe at a GP at the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. And the rumor was spreading at the GP that Stewart had failed a drug test this, in Europe. All over the GP, everybody was talking about it. Cernick called Rod. Rod called me. And w- which was the irony of the whole how that thing was handled with with uh, water and everything else. It's supposed to be, you know, yeah. they're supposed to contact the racer only, and it's really legit and above board, and it's handled. It was so much bullshit. The entire GP paddock knew it. Yeah. And, and but before James and I, because I remember I called, I immediately called James. I'm going, dude, they're saying you failed a test, and he, like, dropped his phone. He was like, what? <laughs> so, so we had no clue whatsoever, yet the entire GP paddock knew about it. Yeah, wow, jeez. I, I know I'd heard a rider failed, but I didn't know it was Stu until, yeah, afterwards. But, um, yeah, well, look, the, the, we don't have enough time to talk about WADA. And the no, damage. I could go forever. Yeah, the damage they did in our sport and FIM and, you know, all of it. And I, I used to tell Prater in general, why do we have the FIM? What are you guys doing? Why are you paying them? What what, yeah. what is this? And they were like, ah, and they would always sort of agree with me. And then they'd keep renewing the contract. Well, it turns, you know, come to find out they figured FIM would start another competitor supercar right. series. And that's right. exactly what they did. But yeah. Anyway. Well, what... well on, a, on a quick side note on mm-hmm. that whole thing, when James went to Europe to, to deal with the, you know, the court session, mm-hmm. he said literally at the lunch break, the prosecutor went to lunch with the judge. Oh jeez, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, Mike. He goes, he goes. They're going to crucify me. I'm going. Yeah, it doesn't sound real fair to me. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what led up to the, the awesome performance? Uh, the first rounds. I, I, in my mind, it's funny how you go back. The results are different. In my mind, the opening rounds were really bad, and then it was getting better, and then it turned great. I look back now, and it was like he was getting like three through five. It wasn't a disaster. The opening rounds. But what did you? 
figure out by the time he got the high point that got him to this level. I, you know, it's you're right because it, it's not like he started with a couple of tenths. We we were in the hunt, um, and he was he was happy with the bike. And the the more progress we made with the bike, with suspension, James so so particular about suspension, and um, we just kept getting it better and better and better. And, and it just was like a slowly building process week after week. And I believe the week before in Colorado, I think he won a moto. Uh yeah he uh he went one three the week before yeah, second yeah. overall yep so so we knew we were onto something but it was it wasn't like some giant you know we opened up a magic book and found something it was just the progress of the bike and he was healthy and confident and it was just getting better and better and better leading up to high point and what's so impressive about it is the field you know we say hashtag stacked field every year but. I mean, this is legit. This is this is Roxon who will go on to win his title. This is Dungy still good. Uh, Trey Kennard would have his races on certain tracks. His bike was great. Uh, all three of them were on their game. And uh, it was actually so... James was known as such a winner crash guy at this point in his career. But I remember when I watched this race and when I go back and watch now, it looked like he was on cruise control. And it's just like, hey, you guys want to get within a second of me? Don't bother me. I'm just going to keep on riding. I, it felt like he could do it for like three straight hours. That's yeah. It. Yeah, he, he's, he was so amazing when his confidence was there. He was literally, I mean, it's true of all great athletes, but the power of his confidence was he, he was a complete different rider. When, when, he, when he was lacking, I could tell we would get to a race, whether it was an indoor or outdoor, and I could see it in his eyes in the morning whether he had it or not. You know, And, and if he was confident, there was just a certain swagger and a look and, and a humor that came along with it and when he wasn't he was quiet and kind of withdrawn and i'm like uh oh <laughs> <laughs> well yeah this I, you said it perfectly mike this era for you with james and sort of until he was done until he came back from his suspension if you closed one eye sometimes you saw the old james stewart and he ripped off wins he won three in a row in supercross this year but then there were a lot of down moments and it was just perfectly what you said he would have win a race and have a crummy few weeks and then win a race and for a Stu fan, it must have been pretty infuriating because you're like, why can't he do that all the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, funny stories because one of the head engineers, um, Japanese engineers, came to me with a fully serious meeting, and he had all this data with me. He goes, we've researched all the data of James's results mm -hmm. through his career, and if James just reaches 87.2% of his finishing results, you will win this. And I'm like, are you freaking nuts? <laughs> I go, what, are, what are you talking about? He's like, if, I, if we could do that in sports, we could bet and make millions yeah. on anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, I, I, get, I have what I have, and when he shows up, that's what we're going to get. But I remember looking at the guy going, are you kidding me? And then sort of after High Point, when the news breaks, uh, I feel like, yeah, his heart was out of it. Uh, you know, there was a the the incident at the, the IV nurse at Millville, he was done after that. Uh, there were a lot of crashes. I think in the back of his mind, he knew he was he was in trouble, and the motivation was gone. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Ab yeah. absolutely. He yeah. was destroyed. He yeah. was he was completely shell shocked by the whole thing. And and you know, looking back on it, it's like there's got to be obviously there's there's some accountability James and his and his group should have faced. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. They they were real good at when when I didn't have the bike ride, 
man, they were real good at letting me know that. <laughs> and and what pissed me off, and I remember saying it one time, I'm like, I go, you guys don't miss a beat if I if I don't have the bike set up perfect, or if you know this yeah. part didn't show up or whatever it is. But when it comes to getting a friggin', you know, the paperwork straightened out for yeah. this, n- nobody does it. No, everybody's pointing at everybody else, and you completely drop the ball on it. Yeah. And, yep. and I was pissed, man. It yeah, was like, no, as you, you should know, have been, and and he I, should have I, he should have faced the penalty of some sort. But obviously, for all the reasons we just talked about, the yeah. the the, the WADA FIM thing was insane. That was just nuts. Yeah. Um, well, back then it was a career ender, you know. It, it yeah, literally, you know, with with Brock and with James, it literally just destroyed your career. So, um, wondering too, when I think of this era, Mike, and maybe and maybe I have my eras mixed up and this is when he came back from suspension but i think it was around this time uh showa kyb hybrid fork spring fork air fork all of this seemed to be going on with james stewart's motorcycle week to week yeah it, it, you're exactly <laughs> right it was it was during that hybrid yeah, era, yeah. and what was so stupid is i mean Showa's showa came to us with the fork and said this is the new greatest thing and I remember we put on Medi's bike first, and and that's when you know one side had compression and rebound, and the other side was air mm-hmm. and valving. And and Medi's like, this thing is terrible. I mean, he he goes, it's unrideable. And and I remember we were sitting down with Show, and they're going, no, no, we can work through it. We can work through it. And we're like, all right. And uh, it that fork was so bad that that year, I believe it was that year that he won the three Supercrosses in a row. Mm-hmm. And we were in Canada, the famous Canada race, where he comes from way back and yep. smokes everybody. Literally, as the night was going on, the fork would change, and James was so sensitive to change with his front end because he had this this deathly fear of endowing. So, so that's why he would always run such a stiff front, a low rear, all that, because he would just absolutely commit to something, and that front better stay up. Yeah. So that, that fork would literally evolve during the evening or during the time that was put on it with heat and what other issues were involved, but the fork would start to drop and James could feel it and he would freak out. And at Toronto, I remember him coming in from the heat race or saying he's going, he goes, that effing fork is changing during the race. It dropped and we're going, holy crap. I mean, me and me and uh, the, the engineer, the chassis engineer were like going, it dropped, and sure enough, they were able to go back and go and check the data, and it did. It's mm-hmm. like it did drop, and James was right. And before the main in Canada, we're looking at each other, and and it it was uh, Rob Hendrickson, and and I go, Rob, I don't know what to do. We can't fix the fork right now. We got to go to the main in like ten minutes. And he, I go, what do we do? And he goes, you know what, Mike, we throw a brand new fork on it, and we cross our fingers. <laughs> and and literally that's what we did we threw a brand new fork on it and i went up to james i go everything's okay we fixed it and he, he went out and probably had one of the greatest supercross performances of all time so yeah it was it was a crazy era for all the teams but i definitely remember you guys switching brands and systems and everything and and as we all know james runs two by fours in the front end and right. you said it's so sensitive so yeah, for me as a journalist, uh, I made it a must see walking by your tent to see what was on your bike for forks. You know that day, like it was. Yeah, like what are they on this week? You know. Well, for I mean, for a long time after that, we finally I finally told James told me he goes either get rid of the air or I quit. 
And so I went to Suzuki and Showa, and I said, okay, here's the deal. Here's the ultimatum. Get get us the spring fork back, or he's not going to get back on the bike. <laughs> he's not going to race anymore. So so we put the spring fork in, because remember we had those, there were actually those really cool light gold anodized yeah. outer tubes. We put the springs in there and put the SFF or SSF, whatever the hell it was, um sticker on the side of the forks oh yeah oh, we, we ran that forever and we yeah. we ghosted those single-sided fork yeah SSF. yeah single-sided right. fork right yeah. right we we had another name for that acronym <laughs> well and then they, they came out in production and everybody hated them in production you well, know, everyone's just like this is a terrible that, fork. that was yeah. the joke steve it was like wait a minute we couldn't figure it out at the factory level and you're gonna put it on a production bike yeah yeah i, I just looked at them like they were high i'm like what is wrong with you guys that's where the uh, engineers and innovation and marketing comes in and and, and yeah, that's yeah. at the expense of it. So exactly. Uh, so yeah, when you're trying to, there were obviously a million things that had passed in the entire year he couldn't race, but you couldn't even replicate the 2014 high point bike setup, all that stuff, and necessarily anyway. Things had changed by the time this all, you know, by 2016. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we would always use it as a as a base. Mm -hmm. um, we you always go back to what you thought was the magic. Um, base setting, um, but but that really you can throw that out the window. It really doesn't matter. It's it's another day. It's a different track. It's you know different. You know the riders in a different place, so the base settings doesn't seem to work anymore. Oh, okay, because I think that'd be the first thing people would say, like, well, okay, the suspension's over. Just go back to where you were that day when he went one one. But it doesn't yeah. go that easy. Well, well, I'll put put it this way, Medi. Brett was great. He was he was awesome to work with, and and we gave him when he first started for me. We gave him Dungey's bike. It's like okay, here's Dungey's bike. You know, obviously Dungey kicked ass on it, and Meddy's like, God, man, that thing's a handful. It's so friggin' stiff, and it, you know, I need more. And we're like, dude, the bike just won ninety percent of the races. You know, step up and ride it. <laughs> and and Brett, like he he would like the quiet soldier. He would go through it and put in the performance best he could. And one day he goes, Mike, give me a box stock bike. And I go, okay. And I, we gave him a brand new box stock RMZ. And he went to Glen Helen and he did lap times on his full-blown works bike. And he did lap times on the stock bike and he was faster on the stock bike. And that's that's where we sat back and we went, huh. We spend so much time thinking these guys are, are gods and they need the stiffest shit you can possibly come up with. Mm -hmm. the, the most powerful motors, the stiffest chassis, suspension. And Brett got on the stock bike and was faster. Jeez. And, yeah, and I was like, okay, we, we got to kind of rethink this thing a little bit. It's, it's you know, they, as much as we look at them as they're super gods riding – they're they're still human. They still want some forgiveness. You know, they 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 can't hold on that tight when the suspension's that stiff and the chassis's that stiff. We would take the stock chassis and make it stiffer with engine hangers and and you know engine you know clamps engine carriers, cl clamps, clamps everything else. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we would add more stiff stiffness because they were so radical. They needed stiffness. They needed stiffness. And it's with Brett, I learned so much, and we even applied it to james and you can even look at kenny today kenny runs stock clamps yes yeah, at some point uh around this era with rch kenny went back to a stock bike too he was well so, that yeah that was i remember that's a great story too because i remember courtney calling me kenny's wife because i've known her for years and she's like kenny's freaking out on these air forks can he get on the spring fork and and 
I went to show. I said, look, you let James go back to the spring. You better let Kenny go back to the spring. And and Rob and I went out and tested with Kenny. Even he was RCH the whole bit because because Ricky's like, I, I can't do anything about it. Kenny, you're going to have to live with it. And so I, I went out with Rob. We went to Glen Helen, went with Kenny. We put the spring fork on. And he goes, yeah, he goes, that's what I need. And they did the same thing. They they put the SSF sticker on the fork. Mm-hmm. It, look, it looked like the, the hybrid, but it was a spring fork. And after that, he was happy. <laughs> that was is the same exact secret. Just yeah. go back to the spring. Yeah. Well, and it, it made me mad because they wouldn't let Kenny do it. I'm like, you let James do it. You got this kid that's going to can win the championship. Why don't you let him go to it? What are you doing? You know, because they were so stuck in that. Oh, this is our marketing angle. This is the avenue we're going to take. It's like it's not working. It, like, at what point don't you see it doesn't work? Maybe just change the plastic on the bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a better marketing move. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, this whole James era, yeah, you didn't end up, he would get his head above water, as you said. He'd have some bad races and then some great ones, and he was still the great James Stewart when he was on. Do you look back and say, I can't believe we didn't get a title, or is racing just too difficult to say something like that on, or are you bummed that in the couple of years you did have, it just didn't come together, even though the potential certainly was there? God, it's so hard to think, because mm-hmm. like that Supercross year, when he won, he won the three in a row, we were on a roll. We were, we oh, yeah. were really on a roll. And then we we won Canada. I think we went to Houston the next race. And he was sick as a dog. I mean, so friggin' sick. And I'm like, well, this ain't good. And I think he still got a fifth or something. Yeah, he got fifth. Yep, in Houston. But but then I I want to say New York was after that. Some was after that. And he and he caught his cut his toe on a tough block and popped his knee and um, it, it was just so hard at that time with James because it was so high or low championships take consistency and we didn't have it dude and you guys would have the worst luck wasn't there a Daytona where his pipe got hit by somebody's handlebar and it was like that is a I mean what is the width of a grip and a bar an inch and a half two inches yeah something like that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it dented the header pipe, and, and yeah. I'll, I'll never forget him coming. I was way out on the far end of the infield, and him coming around, and his bike sounded like a Vespa. And I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is going on with his bike? And, yeah, and the header pipe was crushed. And I think, and of course, I think he set fast lap that day, and he, he killed his heat race and everything else, and then the main would come. and Or, or uh, Dallas, I remember Dallas, he killed everybody in the in the – he raised and we were like, dude, this is ours. This is ours. And he's down on the gate and his clutch stops working. He's got the clutch engaged and, and it doesn't work. Oh. And, and I, I remember somebody called up to me on the headphones and going, there's something wrong with his bike. And, and I remember looking down there. I'm like, there's no effing way this can be happening right now. It's like we were so set to win this race, and the clutch didn't work. And it was like, of course. But And then the next week, we went out. It was Atlanta, and he won. So there was yeah. so many weird things along the way. Do you look back at this, Mike, uh, This the James era, and like, are, is it one of happiness and, and gratitude, or is it one of frustration, the way it ended, uh, some of the problems that you had, right? Or do you look at it like, ah, what could have been like? What's your? I mean, you're a pretty laid back, nice guy, so I think I know which one you look at. But how do you look at this era? Yeah, just like fifty fifty. Okay, <laughs> it, it was. Um, there was 
when I'm, I'm the kind of guy that I want to see my heroes kick ass, whatever that is, mm-hmm. Formula One, whatever they hear, football, whatever the hero is, I want to see him kick ass. And when James did, it it felt so good as a team, the team effort, but it, personally it felt great. It's like sure. the kid is so bitching to watch when he's on. It's so much fun to watch him be great. And then the downside of that was pretty severe. It was a pretty steep slope. So when we, you know, when he's at Southwick and he's checking out with a massive lead and he cross ruts and helicopters into a tree and I'm like, okay, that's about as low as you can get. Or, or <laughs> Unadilla, Unadilla when he, when he crashes in the rhythm lane and, and like destroys himself, it's like the lows were so severe. They, it kind of, it's it kind of offset the highs, mm-hmm. and so everything, like everything, you were kind of. I was kind of numb for a couple of years. To tell you the truth. <laughs> well, I'm I, I'm guessing your time at with James is a lot harder than your off road manager time at Suzuki, which you did for you know twenty years. Um, like I'm sure you yourself never worked harder than you did in these years. Yeah, and it's and, and I tell my wife this all the time, and she knows it. Off road was so much fun. It was. And, and we, you know, you were there in those days. It was, it was, we were, we got great commitment from Suzuki. They let me do whatever I wanted. I didn't, I didn't have people over my back all the time telling me I had to do this or I couldn't do that. They let us do what we wanted. They gave us the budget and we kicked ass. And it was, and I had a great group of people, great riders, and it was fun. And then Supercross, it was the exact opposite of that. It was, uh, there was constant from japan you can't do this you can't do that you know james wanted to run a stabilizer at one point mm-hmm. and and i go let me put it nobody will see it i'll put on you know the honda stabilizer no mm-hmm. one will ever know no can't do it it's a that's a honda product i'm like the ktms have it on there what what is the big deal let me put it on and nope so i mean that was that was just one example that sure that my you know, my hands were always tied with with japan and they were they were so protective of their uh their resources and their product and it was like okay so it was supercross was weird it was it was bitching because it was the highest level but it was it was a drag because there was so much politics Mm -hmm. and so much crap going on with it yeah i always felt um with with your team any any anybody any of the i mean there weren't some of the GNCC teams weren't factory teams per se. Maybe they looked that way. But I always said the, the money is maybe a quarter or a fifth. But for the the pressure and the scrutiny that everybody's under on the motocross side, I'm not sure it's worth it. Like, I used to say, I think I'd rather pick Mike Lafferty's life or Rodney Smith's life than the Supercross guy. They might not be making as much money, but they're making good money. And they're not getting blasted or scrutinized by anybody. You guys were just showing up, having a good time, riding dirt bikes, getting a paycheck and going home. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, MK MK said it best. Kudrowski, he's like, uh-huh. he had more fun. He raced for me for five years. He said he had more fun in that five years than he did his entire motocross career. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But but I think a lot of it too is like I said, Suzuki would give me the budget because we were successful. They they just trusted me and they said, here's the money, go do it. And so I had 100 percent backing. And any race program is only as good as the backing that they have. So if if you don't have, if you don't have that commitment behind you, you're going to struggle. And, and an example, a perfect example is how good KTM was and became and is, is uh, the backing. There was 100% commitment to that race program. 
when, when it's not there and, and you're fighting, you're fighting upper management as hard as you're fighting Kawasaki or Yamaha, <laughs> you know, you got a problem. You yeah. got a problem. Uh, yeah, I imagine, you know, Roger DeCosta leaves, Suzuki, Ian Harrison leaves, and they tap you. And at times, I'm sure you're like, look, man, I just want to go back to the off-road. Can I just go back to the off-road? Yeah. I just... <laughs> no, did. And, R- and RD left for that exact reason. He knew the commitment wasn't there anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he wanted the multi-year deal. And Suzuki said, no, we're going to give you one year. And he's like, well, I, I can kind of see the writing on the wall here. Yeah. And he, he was 100% correct. He knew he could not win without full-on commitment because you're going against Honda, friggin' Honda, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and Cowie and Yamaha. Their commitment was there. It, there was no doubt. So you want to you want to play in the big leagues, but you don't want to commit. You can't do that. Yeah, I heard through the H the H and H guys about Kenny switching to KYB around this time, and it was an absolute shit show behind the scenes. And I used to just say. Well, they don't sell bikes with pro circuit exhaust and rent all bars and and so on and so forth. So, like the ad- the average person uh, doesn't knows that this bike is not the one you can buy in showroom four. You're changing everything on it: graphics and bars and exhausts and foot pegs and whatever. And so, what's the big deal with changing a suspension brand? You know, it's just exactly. like I just uh, never understood the stuff that they had to do behind the scenes or you to to make changes to a motorcycle in honor in you know to. To the Japanese thinking they're going to hurt the marketing of it. It's just insane yeah. to me. Yeah, and maybe maybe it was that way at Yamaha and Cowie and Honda. I don't know. Um, you you know better than me at Yamaha, but oh yeah, there was but, a lot of lot of stuff at Yamaha that yeah. just make you shake your head. Yep. Yeah, I think that there there were so the the Japanese the corporate view on racing was so strict um, that it hurt them. You know, it we, it definitely hurt them. We ran a piston that would crack at eight hours. And and then we're just changing out pistons at six hours, and I'm just like, hey, can, how about just using a different piston? It's just yeah. a compression ratio. Like, yeah. can we just do that? And and nope, nope. So and so one cracked at six hours, you know, instead of eight. And, yeah. And then that was it. It's a five alarm fire drill. Well, yeah. this five alarm fire drill could have been avoided six months ago if we had just gone to another piston manufacturer. Like I just, I never understood that, right? So yeah, it's your exactly. It's almost like these engineers had so much power over what we did, and it's like, well, first of all, none of you guys have ever ridden a bike. You have no idea what's happening. You know, you're a bunch of engineers. Mm. With, you know, yeah, it would make me nuts. It was so frustrating. Liet re raceables with Mike Webb, 2014 High Point. What a uh, James Stewart's last win, um, as a matter of fact, in the sport. And what a day it was, led almost every lap, but but one second moto was a great race with Kennard, if I remember right. I didn't go back and watch this before I did it. But also, Mike, uh, when he comes back after suspension um, and he's noticeably heavier, the first time you see him, are you like, oh, oh boy? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. You're like, that's we're exactly gonna, what We're going to have some problems winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like... Uh... Okay, you need to push away from that that you know all you can eat lunch bar. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, like yep. what and and that's and then I knew and I could see it in his face too. He would, he's James is such a, a nice person and a good person, especially when you get to know him. Um, and he would look at me and I knew he was sincere, but I also knew he was broken. Mm-hmm. I I, yep. I knew that nah, it's never coming back. It's never going to come back. Nope. No, no. So, yeah, that I think is the biggest question anybody has had behind the scenes. Um, there's just so many Stu stories and always a little bit of mystery there. Uh, but your years working with him, he was a good dude to work with. 
He was he's a great human. I'll tell you that. And and he's funnier than hell when things were right, which is true with everybody, but he was so enjoyable to be around. The team loved working with him. Um but God, he had he had so much pressure on him. Um yeah. his entire career, you know, because he was the fastest, because he was black, oh, he had so many things on his back that he had to carry. And, you know, and I I used to look at him and go, dude, you, you do an incredible job of pulling this all off. Because I, cause I couldn't deal with the pressure you're under. There's no way. There's no freaking way. It, it's weird. It's like the racial thing, I never even would have understood had I not worked with him. What kind of what kind of pressure that put on him? Because I remember being at Southwick and he crashed inside. He had a huge lead. He was checking out and he crossed right and did this spectacular helicopter crash and, and he was out and knocked his head. And I'm walking back through the pits and, and you guys know at Southwick, if you're out on the track and you walk back to the pits, you just walk through thousands of people mm-hmm. trying to get back to the trucks. And I'm walking back, and I just remember some drunk asshole running up to me, getting in my face, going, is he dead? Is he dead? Is the effing N dead? Oh. I, I remember yeah. Yeah. looking at the guy going, oh, my God, what what is the date in America right now? I, I was so blown away. And then I, I remember walking back thinking, God, James has probably dealt with this his whole life, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like it was that, and that was such an eye opener. That was such a like, holy shit! It's like not just the pressure of being the fastest guy in the world and crash or die, crash or win, all these things about James. This other thing that that nobody talked about was so real in our sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, James is James is definitely shared some things with me uh, off the record about it. It's unbelievable. You know, it really yeah, makes you yeah. sad about our sport as well. Um, about people as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, great stuff. Anything else, Weege? Yeah, uh, two things. So for you, the Suzuki thing, did it just, did the team you were managing, well, first of all, there was the weirdo transition for like, I remember for like two or three weeks, you thought there wasn't going to be a team. Then there was a team. There was that. But then did it just end, end? Like, how did it end for you? Like the team just dissolved, so to speak? Well, it was typical Suzuki bullshit. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> the, the good management left because they all knew what was you know what was happening, yeah. and and the guys that they put in to supposedly run Suzuki, they were you know they just had their fingers in the dike. That's all it was. It was mm-hmm. it was like it was crumbling all around them. So I would go. I'm going. Hey, I need commitment. I need to you know we need riders to sign these all these mechanics. I have a bunch of people working for me. They got houses to pay for, kids. I need a commitment for next year. I need to let them know what's going on. And they'd say, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. And they did that about freaking 10 times. And I finally went off. I won't say his name now, but he, I think he's still there. I think he's still running shit. But I went off on him. I'm, I, I go, this is so much bullshit. These people, it's not fair what you're doing to them. They can get on with other teams. They can get on with other programs. You've got to let me know, are you going to freaking race or not? And they We'll let you know. We'll let you know. And they pulled it off. And then finally, just I told everybody, I go, I remember telling Baggett, I, he goes, he goes, Mike, what's going on? I go, Blake, if you got something, go sign right now. And this is before anything was official from Suzuki. I go, go sign right now because these assholes are going to just carry this thing to the very end. And you guys are all going to be left out to dry. And that's pretty much what they did. Every, I told everybody on, on the crew, go, if you got a gig, go get it. Go right now. Yeah. 
and then it just eventually just evaporated. Yeah, so you're you're just uh, eventually you're out of a job because that job just doesn't exist anymore, right? Yeah, yeah, it just disappeared, and and uh, RCH had they still had some casino money or some sort of money where they were bringing money in the ocean mirror program. We, we didn't bring any money in. So, you know, that was the other thing they're going, you need to start getting money. I'm going, you hired me to run a race team, not to be a marketing guy. You know, that's not my gig, but, but Carrie was great about bringing in money and they kept, I think for another year, they kept going because they had, um, they had the resources to keep going. And then once Suzuki had to pay for everything, Suzuki canned them as well. Yeah. And then for you, uh, I mean, look, you're as hardcore a moto guy, both on road or sorry, both off road and moto, as I know. Did you try to stick around and like work for another team or were you over it at that point? Nah, not really. I was I was so burned out how that last year went at Suzuki. Yeah. It was such a drag. It was, it was such a bummer. And and I was tired of traveling and I I wanted to spend I couldn't never got to see my kids and I wanted to spend time with them. And it was like. It was like, it was, okay, let's just turn the page. So, Well, um, good stuff. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. What a day. High point, 2014. I, I, I could go on and on with more stories, but we got to run. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's fantastic. At least you got these days, though. At least, I mean, when you were going to Suzuki, well, you had done for one year. But, I mean, like, you got Stu at the moment. There were moments where you were the best in the business, your team, your bike, your rider. At least you got those moments. You're, you're right. I got. To, I know what it tastes like to be at the at the highest <laughs> yeah. level, and and yeah. that's that's a real cool thing. I'll never forget it. It's a really mm-hmm. cool thing. Absolutely, Lee at Reraceables. Thanks for the time, Mike. Really appreciate it. Uh, and okay. I hope you're well. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. See you. Good stuff from uh, from Mike Webb, and I remember specifically. Uh, first of all, Weege, I was somehow I was a trusted insider of Stu around this era, and. So I knew he was riding Suzuki's during the week and talking to Suzuki and trying to get out of his JGR deal and all of that. And Stu was telling me how great it was. He sent me a photo one time of it. Uh, I probably could have broke Moto News back then if I had posted it. And so Stu and I were sort of tight, and I think he was using me to get the message out that JGR bike sucked, right? Um, and then I talked to Mike at New Orleans. I think it was New Orleans in between semis, and I asked him about this. I said, hey, uh, I heard you You know, were – talking to Stu and he's riding a Suzuki. I always thought he got the Suzuki from Mike. Mike didn't really say anything earlier in this interview and wouldn't confirm or deny it, I guess. Yeah, probably but, smart not to. Right, probably smart yeah. not to, but I believe Mike got him a Suzuki. And when I told Mike that at the race, like his face dropped, <laughs> but he's a cool guy. And he was like, hey, this is all off the record. I'm like, absolutely. And then he told me the whole story. And so oh. I really felt like I – so when Stu crashed at Houston – on the JGR bike and walked off, I'm like, that's it. Like, you're never seeing him again. Like, obviously, I wasn't alone in that. A lot of people probably thought that. We knew things were rough behind the scenes. But I felt like I had a leg up in the sense of, like, yeah, he is done with these guys. So I don't know how J-Bone and Coy are going to handle this, but it's not going to go well because he'd been riding the Suzuki during the week. So It, it was wild um, knowing that, and I only knew stuff through you, uh, that we knew more because of you, not we. I mean, we, because I found it with you. You were the source. We knew more than key people involved. I mean, I was going to the JGR shop every Monday for lunch and part of their Bible study and hanging out with the guys. And I don't think they knew that any of this was going 
right on right and then you and i would talk you would hear stuff and i'd be like that's so crazy because like i i don't see it happening like i just don't see any way that it's gonna happen and james seemed very confident that it was and james is right it did happen and i don't think they i don't think they knew and um you know, if you talk to J-Bone about it, you know, they were doing everything they could to try mm-hmm. to rescue it and try to make it work with James. So they even if the writing was on the wall, you know, they were going to do everything they could to erase that writing and try to fix it. But it is crazy um, that it worked that way. And they did manage to, I guess, avoid anyone suing anybody <laughs> for however this went down. Yeah. Yeah. It all worked out in the end for sure. But for a while there in 2014, I was like, I was like, I have a photo of James on a Suzuki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you had a photo. Had I never photo. saw that. Yeah, he sent me yeah. a photo. Yeah. Um, and I'm just remember like, um, the right hand man over there, uh, Jake Klingensmith, who is really PR yeah. for Suzuki. Yeah. Jake's awesome as well. And I feel like he and Webb were always hanging out together. Yeah, I do. And feel I remember like him they saying, were tight. Yeah. They seem like they were tight. And Jake is awesome and an awesome dude. And uh, I remember him saying, like, how, how is the word? Proud. Like, he just had so much respect for you because he either knew then or found out later how much information you had. And that you didn't ruin it for everybody. Yeah, I can't. No, you can't do that. That's that's not yeah. even. Yeah, right. Like, yep. like I felt. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, yeah. It was a yeah, really so, weird so time. So credit to you. I mean, you had at that time the scoop of scoops. It would have been one of the all time scoops ever. Certainly at that time, it would have been the biggest news ever. And I kind of was wondering why James was confiding in someone who could make all this public. I wondered if he was he want I didn't know if he wanted you to leak it. He I don't wa- know. I, I think what he wanted me to know was how bad the bike was and it was not his fault for what was going on results wise. Oh, you know what I mean? He was fair. using me as like, dude, this bike sucks. I'm telling you this bike sucks. I can't ride with it. I ride a Suzuki, it's amazing. Right, blah blah blah. You know what I mean? So Well, credit to him because this is how it works in the other sports. The reason why the other sports have more scoops and rumors of what is going on isn't because the journalists are better at digging. It's because there are more people that are leaking for that reason. Yeah, they're trying to control. Yeah, they're trying to control. Trying to control the narrative. There are a million reasons why, hey, I can't say this, but I want you to put this on the street for me. Mm -hmm. This is what's really happening, and it's making me look bad. You didn't hear from me. Agents are doing it all the time. In this sport, they don't do it. I don't know why. They just, everything sucks. They don't say anything. They get mad that it gets misinterpreted, even though they don't tell you anything. There are a million ways to go about this. Strategic leaks are part of almost everything, but in this sport, people don't use it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, mean, this is how you wonder how people people get mad when they read, like, I don't want to get into politics here, but they're like, the media is making stuff up with these anonymous sources. And I'm like, no, the reason they're anonymous is someone, anyone listening to this pod has probably worked for someone they hate, a company they don't like, right? You can't blast your boss, but you would love to vent and let the world know what your boss is like. And that's where a lot of these things come from. If it's in Washington, D.C., someone's working for someone who they think is crooked or wrong or dumb or whatever. And they're like, I would love for the world to know what's really going on. Mm -hmm. It can't come from me. So I'm going to tell you this anonymously. Don't use my name. But here's what's really going down behind the scenes. And that's how all those stories get broken. So I guess that's what James is trying to do. Like. Trust me, I don't suck at riding anymore. This Yamaha is terrible. You didn't hear it from me, but this is what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and and we've did we did Phoenix twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen Phoenix, and we both rewatched the race. And James is James had about oh. five near death experiences with the front end just dropping or whatever. Like so just, bad, you know. It just yeah, so it bad. Wasn't great, 
But uh, yeah, it was good. Mike was a great interview. That's 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 awesome to hear. Uh, yeah, he doesn't hold back at all. He does nothing to fear anymore, right? So I always found Mike Webb to be totally straight up and totally honest and a good dude uh, when he managed. And I felt bad, you know, Dunge immediately didn't like him or didn't trust him because he loved Raj. Didn't really give Mike a chance, uh, much of a chance. And then he had a chain come off uh, early in Supercross for whatever reason. Don't know. And then he ran out of gas, which you could arguably say cost him the title. Yeah. And Mike Webb's, like, it was just, that was it. You were, Dunge and Mike Webb were never going to get along, you know? And Dunge was Yeah, those were both. I think uh, the chain thing, I think, like, Kennard bumped into him in a, like a slow turn. Yeah. One of those things. I think the fuel was the boiling fuel, which in those days, it was probably a hundred degree day in Texas. That mm-hmm. stuff did happen yep. time to time, but yeah, whatever. That yeah. was, that was the end. No, I mean, yeah. listen, I had the same thing in 98 when I worked for Danny Smith, I had something out of my control happen at the second race I ever worked for him. Yep. And Honda told him it wasn't my fault and mm-hmm. it wasn't. And he never trusted me. Even still, we never got along. Just his first impression was like, my bike broke with this guy. And, yeah. and that was it, you know, Danny Smith and I yeah. could never really get back on that plane of plane of, of playing field of levelness. Mm-hmm. So, um, anyways, uh, good, good times. 2014 high point Stu. All right. Oh, so good. Uh, uh, thank you to folks at Scott goggles, by the way, uh, Scott, Scott, Scott sports has been providing the best in goggle technology in all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years. They're global leader in innovation, technology, and design. Scott has always been proud to support racing, uh, guys like Jason Anderson, pro circuit, Walker Fowler. Uh, do we know who's, did, did Johnny Knowles sign anybody uh, for 24 that we know of that we can break or is he too busy arguing with JT on a text? I thought there was somebody that he, mm. Sh- what's Shimoda wearing? Oh yeah. Shimoda's wearing Scott. Yeah. That was it. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Shimoda was Scott with pro circuit and he went to Honda, but he kept Scott. Kept the one thing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Good for Uh, Johnny Knowles. Scott is excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the re-raceables podcast, many of which included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggle made in the USA. Uh, He's probably also currently winding JT up in a group text somewhere. Johnny (laughs) Knowles. Uh, Thank you to Decal Works, Max's Tires as well. Guts Racing. I just put on a new Guts seat cover on the uh, White Crew uh, bike, non-slip purple. Guts Racing seat cover, whether it's foam, whether it's covers. Uh, they sponsor a lot of privateers and a lot of teams. Pulpamex23 is the code to save with Guts Racing. GutsRacing.com. Please check them out. Great company. Great Northern California seat company. And they can do it for you. They got seats for all sorts of stuff, too, as well. So, um, all right. Let's, uh, let's do the Liat Racing, re-racing cat, re-raceable categories. Send us an email using our contact form at Pulpamex. If you want a discount from Liat, whether it's chest protector, neck protection, knee guards, Gear itself, boots, goggles, helmets, all of that. Uh, love the guys at Liet, Liet.com. And uh, you send us an email if you want to save with those guys. Uh, okay. Liet, re-raceable categories. By the way, Weech, I got an email. They said they love the podcasts. They didn't mention re-raceables. But he loves all my podcasts, loves my stuff I do. And then said, hey, I can put you in touch with Jake Marsak if you want. And I don't oh, think, well, I, don't think... I, could, I, I told this story. I, I saw Marsak's yeah. dad, I think, at Detroit Supercross this year, and I got his number. But, yeah, here we are not doing anything with it. Yeah, we need to do that. But this gentleman was like oh, – I think he prefaced it by saying, hey, you never talk about Jake Marsak. That's what I meant to say. He, you never mentioned Jake Marsak. He's a really good privateer. I got his number if you want to do oh. with him. That was Oh, he clearly is not listening no, to the show then. No, he is not a re-raceable listener. <laughs> no. So, um, Blow his mind. Right, right. All right. Uh, who really won the race? I mean – Come on. Blake Baggett, 1-1 in the 250s. Is that it? 
Yeah. Um, I don't really no, remember it's James the Stewart. Guys. Yeah, it's Tim Stewart. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't remember Blake's day going one one, but yeah, I'm sure he was gone both motos. Just absolutely one of those days for Blake. Well, uh, this was the beginning of the star domination. Jeremy Martin and Cooper Webb just came out on fire at yeah. the beginning. We did Glenn like, Helen. Oh. We did Glenn Helen 2014 with Jay Mart. Yep, that's right. And the beginning of that era, which continues now with this YZ250F. But Baggett didn't go down without a fight. He the bike was bad at the beginning of the year. He got things dialed. He gave Jay Mart a run. Um, for that title a bit up and down, but as bag it always was. But on the right day, like this, one one. Yeah, on a right day, that that's what that's what he does. Yep. Okay. Uh, who's that guy? Award. I got a few. Don't you say Evgeny Mikhailov? We don't. No. Okay. or meets. Absolutely. You're okay. not hearing those words that I mean, we loved or meets. So, which was for those that don't know, that was his. That was always his sponsor. That was always listed as a sponsor, Cray or Meats, the Russian Evgeny Mikolov. But then you know the story, right? <laughs> yeah, tell I, it. I Cray or Meats. I'm like, what is Cray or Meats? I need to call them. I need to figure out like, does Cray or Meats? Is this like why do they sponsor this? If Kelly Mikolov, if Jenny Mikolov, and and Cray or Meats, I googled it. I looked at the address and everything down in Florida, and then like I googled the the place, and it was just an empty warehouse. Mm-hmm. So I still don't even know what Crayer Meats was, where that money came from. It's Russian. I'd rather just move on. Uh, our buddy Jericho did work for Mikhailov around this era, though. So Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Jericho, his mechanic. He loves Mikhailov. Oh, wow. Yeah. We could maybe ask him about the Crayer Meats. I think I have, and he had no idea also. Oh, okay. Um, okay, so I was going to go Joey Peters, but I sort of remember Joey Peters. Uh, so then if I keep going down in 450 class, Puxatawney, PA, where the groundhog is. Yeah. Ty Newcomb. No idea. Sorry, Rare. Yeah, that was probably the highest ranking of those. You do see, I guess, High Point, a little bit of a, like a light Southwick here, like bringing out yep. local dudes. So I got one, Dakota Yohe out of Spring Grove, Pennsylvania. Uh, gets 38th. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, if I was going to the D5 PAMX races yeah. back then, well, uh, maybe these guys were dominating every week locally. But good for them. They made a national. What Did uh, did Punxsutawney Phil here get points? Nah, no, 29-25. But it is not also a coincidence that Punxsutawney, Ty, and Dakota Yohe are on Suzuki's and from PA. That is also oh, not a coincidence uh, no. at all. There's Cernix <laughs> country, Cernix country, right. Yep. Uh, Kay Clayson, though, 761. I didn't know he was ever at 761. One off of my number. Uh, it is funny to see. There's quite a few dudes in the results that um, what they went on to be. Even like Tony Archer, who's now you know probably about at, Tony's probably about as known for being a factory mechanic now as he is a racer. Yeah. Um, one of the few privateer top. How many guys did what Archer did? I don't think many. Like really good, solid privateer guy turned mechanic. I, I don't see that very often. You think you would see it more? No, I mean if you. Berluti was pretty good. Um, okay, but that long time ago, Ali Seymour. Yeah, Ali. Oh yeah, Ali. Ali was legit. Ali was better than Tony as a rider. Ali's yes, results Allie were better. Was legit. So, and then long time Kevin Windham guy. So high, and, high end. And I got another one for you, uh, Joey Maher. Also legit. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Joey was good. Dean Baker, uh, legit. Yep, yep. Got some good Dean Baker stories uh, in his racing days. But um, yeah, Archer twenty two thirty six for thirtieth. Um, hey, uh, here's my guess on these. I'm figuring these privateer mechanic, these privateer riders know how to work on bikes. They don't turn into mechanics. So I'm assuming 
you can only do that level of insane grind once in a lifetime. Yeah, yeah. You can't go. Now I'm going to start from the bottom for a second time <laughs> and no, do this again. Probably a good point. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Shout out Stevie Roman too. Still grinding away in 2014. Yeah, um, another high point local. Yep. Okay, uh, Lit Kid Award. I will say I'm not giving it to James, but Seven did some cool stuff. And then for this race, James is just red pants and a white jersey. Like just something out of the 80s. Oh, I'm giving him Lit Kit all oh, day. Oh, you are? It looked. Oh, dude. It looks good. I can't do it on a yellow bike with red. I can't do that, that combo. You know? Yeah. Ah, uh, dude. It's so, it looks so clean, though. The it bike had a little red. Had, had some red in the graphics. The bike had some red in the graphics. I guess it did. I guess it did. Yeah. Um, no, it looks, it looks good. And, um, you know, Seven doesn't really get talked about enough for this. When we look at these old races for this Lee Erasable show and you see how baggy the freaking jerseys were in like what you name it, 2008 and what the jerseys look like now, how tight the gear is, that seven started that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Chad Reed. Uh, Shift. He's wearing mm. blue, yellow stuff on a Cowie. It looks really good. Uh, I saw a photo from this race, Monster Helmet. Uh, it all kind of ties together nicely. So I'll go with the 2 2. I will not go with Ken Roxon, who had the words KTM, like in 16-inch sizing across his chest, and it went into his shoulder and everything. I don't even remember this outfit from Fox. Like it just, no. like you know, because Fox is very big on Fox, right? Yeah. And and putting Fox there and everything. And Kenny's outfit is just a giant KTM across the front of his chest, shoulders, and everything. Really yeah, good. it is odd. They had both Dunge and Roxon. Fox did on the same team, but still, some, the only time Fox ever gets it wrong, they get a little too busy at times, and this was one of those days. Dungey's stuff wasn't that great either, I didn't think. Yep. Uh, Liet Reraceable's uh, Shit Kid Award, well, I'm glad he's not on the line, but uh, I think i got to give it to Fly on Canard stuff. He's got the half red, half turquoise green. He's got the neck brace, which never looks good. Um... Yeah, I might as well go shit kit Trey Kennard. I mean, I'm I'm all for neck braces if you want to wear them, but they definitely hurt your lit kit award potential uh, braces do. And then Kennard's, like he's on a red bike, but it's orange and green, or maybe the photos maybe the photos make it look orange. I don't know. I gotta go that way. Uh, I had not thought about shit kit. Uh, I, I want to research something, and then I will research okay. that while we're researching this you answer. Could, you, my runner up was the MSR stuff that the star guys were winning. So. Okay. Um, um, I got to look at some photos from this, and I'll figure out yeah. shit kit. But I want to get to a question that I asked you before we picked up the phone here. Who is Brett Metcalf riding for? He gets like seventh overall on a Kawasaki 450, and I cannot place him riding a Kawasaki 450. Is this? Uh, what is that? Okay, so I'm thinking, did Brett Metcalf race in Canada, and this was like he showed up on a Cowie? Um Canadian. But he was still. I thought Canada came like way later. Like this is like still kind of prime, isn't it? I'm looking. I thought. I I don't know. I I was he a fill in for RV? Is that what it is? Okay, he's not in Canada. So Metcalf. Yeah, it must be later. No. Um. Oh yeah, I did find a photo of the start, and it looks like. Ah, uh, darn it! I can't zoom in in this photo. I think you're right. I think it is a monster cowie. Yeah, He's I wonder, in the monster helmet. 
Yeah, I bet you. So many was out of a ride and needed a fill in. That's so weird to me. Yeah. And we could ask him. Now he looks like Forrest Gump. Well, how so? Like he's got a massive beard and everything. He looks like Forrest Gump when he was running. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Brady, he looks like he's all skinny. He looks like Forrest Gump when he went on a run across America. Medi, you're yeah, talking about. Medi, yeah. Yeah. Still still racing though. Yeah, still racing. And he's wearing Oh yeah. And he's wearing Go the Rat gear to bring it all back home. Oh. Yeah. Is that lit kit or shit kit? Who, no one knows. So, okay, uh yeah, I think Okay, I think, so he was a fill-in. I'm so confused as to what team Medi was on where he had to be a fill-in. Yeah, it says um, Monster, like it was, says Monster Energy Kawasaki in the results. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I see a photo of him. It's definitely the same look as Weimer, who's the other Cowie guy. Very Weimer, weird. To me. Weimer crashes out, and this this is where he breaks his arm or something, right? Weimer in the first moto. Is this where I just saw he got last? Yeah, I think this is the moto where. Uh, yeah, so Mookie Mookie's thirty eighth in moto one. Weimer goes down, or Mookie goes down. The flagger is not exactly on it, and one mm. of them plows into the other one, and they DNF. Oh. It is funny, by the way, and look at the results to see that Malcolm Stewart, you just don't even, you just don't think that there was a time where Malcolm was just racing outdoors every weekend, everybody. Mav TV, too, second sponsor listed. Yeah, yeah, there were the Mav TV backed Troy Lee Designs team. Yep. One of the things uh, I can't, I one of the things I can't wait for 2024 Anaheim to come is to see what weirdo sponsor Troy Lee has on their bike. That the team won't know about either? Yeah. Yeah, they wanted me to know. Uh, I found my shit kit. And okay. This, uh, this, is, this is painful. This is how far it had fallen. Uh, the number 92, Keely Rusk. I'm like, I, I found some photos. And I'm like, what the hell is that horrible looking gear? And then I zoomed oh, in. It's Axo. It's freaking <laughs> Axo, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember I remember Keely's deal around this. Yeah. And uh, Oh, you remember? Wait, seriously. If I had told you Keely Rusk, you would have known Axo. Yeah, I said Axo, didn't I? When when you said I zoomed, and it in. wasn't because you just looked at this. No, no. Oh wow! No, I remember Achilles Axel stuff around this time. Yeah, yeah. Sad. Uh, Liet Racing Reraceables. Uh, where's JT? Uh, we checked in with him. Said he was probably standing on the side of the track watching. Yep. Yep. I mean, he does not miss races, so hey. No. Nope. Yep. Uh, all right, the Jacob Marsack Award for the rider who did the best that you never thought of or ever, um, you know, came about. There's not too many, Weech. I was just kind of going through the results, and, like, I don't really have one. Well, not when, uh, I mean, when it's still Phil and Freddie battling exactly the same then, now n- nine years later. Um, there's not a lot of results. Like, it's literally like everything is like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. But I didn't know. You mentioned his name real quick. I did not know Joey Peters. Uh, this is a minor one. It's not a huge Jacob Marsak, but he went 20-21. He got a point. Um, I didn't know Joey Peters got a point in 450 Outdoors. Maybe I should have seen that a million you times. See and didn't realize, but... Do you see a sponsor? No, let me see. Uh, oh, yeah, baby. One sponsor listed for Joey Peters. Uh, I mean, he's a Jersey guy. Kessler Pro Suspension. Yep. I mean, you. I don't know if you're allowed to ride a motorcycle in New Jersey without KPS on your forks. <laughs> it might not be allowed. It might literally be in the state. I'll let Chris Christie, the next time he's in one of these debates, I'm going to see if Chris Christie, maybe they passed a law back in the day that says you must run Kessler Pro Suspension. So the it's just KPS for short? I mean, okay. I know it's not quite as synonymous with Barry Karsten as the MSR logo, mm-hmm. but it's always KPS on the forks. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't have anybody for the Jacob Marsak Award. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's all about, I guess... 
Cade got 18th in a moto. I don't, I, I, I don't even know Cade outdoors results. Is that exceptional for him? I don't no, know. Is it, no, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, he can get points. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I, got, I, got, I got nobody class. Neither. I got, I got yep. nothing. I, I looked in both okay. classes. So it all sort of fits in. Killian Rusk was a good rider. So for him to go yep. 15, 16. Yeah. Not, not surprised. I think he got a top 10 one time. Uh, yeah, but the, but the gear, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, at this point, and if you're a privateer like Killian Ruska, you're near the end, you're just grabbing, what, you pay me five grand to wear Axo? No problem. Like, Yeah, you know. it's just unbelievable how Axo, how that happened. I mean, they were the best and they were the worst. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. So, uh, okay, all right, that's the categories. That's it. We need to come up with mm-hmm. a few more. We'll think about that down the road. Um, and then, yeah. Thanks to Mike Webb for for joining us. Some really good stuff from Mike on the Stu years at Suzuki. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Stu's last win. Last win for Stu. And then the suspension, you know, hit later on. Um, For the record, too. I think like Tuesday after this race or something. But why was he allowed to keep racing? Well, it was a provisional. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay. It was a provisional suspension uh, at first. So... Back then, and Webb even touches on this a little bit, people were not always there with James's back. So it was a provisional suspension, which means you're not you're not suspended until we come up with a ruling on this. That's um, it. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Now, if we come up with a ruling and we find out you truly are guilty, we are going to make all the results you got go away, which you and I laugh about. Seems like these results are still here. Yeah, the original penalty was James was stripped of all the results after the penalty, which was Seattle, maybe, the, the testing. Was it Seattle? Yes. Um, yep. All the results were supposed to be stripped, and I think even a forfeiture of purse money, it was in the ruling, and like literally yep. none of that happened. Everyone was no. like giving the middle no. finger to the FIM. James no. Stewart's it, win. It did is, not happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he was only provisionally suspended, which meant he was still allowed to keep racing. So what's unfortunate here is that people did not have James back at this time. And I remember going to the races and people were super pissed at MX Sports for letting him race. And they're like, they're bending the rules because James Stewart sells tickets. And I'm like, they're bending the rules because they can't bar him from racing. He's only provisionally suspended. And the definition of that is you can keep competing until we come up with a ruling. And then when they came with a ruling, yes, they were supposed to pull the results. I don't think anybody cared that they didn't do that. But they were not allowed to stop him from racing. Until the official ban or suspension or whatever you want to call it uh, came in. But it was funny, you know, hearing one side or the other. I think the series felt like this is one of our athletes and it is up to us to try to defend him. He, He is guilty. Sorry, he is innocent until proven guilty, not guilty until proven innocent. Until he gets suspended, you know, we should have our athletes back. The day he gets suspended, we're out. He finally got suspended, and then 2015, he was out. But that was not the vibe in the pits. Teams, every team I'd walk into is like, oh, there's your guys letting James Stewart race because he sells tickets. And I'm like, uh, what What? What proof do we have of promoters doing? Like, we had Supercross-only contracts in the sport for years, and you didn't hear anything about it. Like, I, I seriously doubt they were bending the rules. And then once he got suspended, he was out. But people weren't pumped at the time that James is allowed to race. And I don't think that has anything to do with the rules. I just think this competition yeah. didn't want him out there. Yeah, I don't remember any of that, to be honest, but I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. you're wrong. I just don't remember any of that. But Well, yeah, they're coming at me more as like, yeah. you work for the Coons. Right, you know, right. They're bending the rules, let him race. And I'm like, give me more examples of a guy got hurt, in trouble, doesn't have a ride, whatever, and the promoter was like bending over backwards because they sell tickets. 
I just um, I touched on it with the Mike Webb thing. The fact that Feld kept renewing with FIM and and accepting these penalties and you know just shrugging their shoulders. I mean, they went to bat. They tried to go to bat apparently, but it's just uh, horrible, horrible decision making. It wasn't right for our sport. It wasn't right for our athletes. It wasn't right for our teams. And all they cared about was the fact that someone would start another Supercross series if they weren't affiliated with the FIM, to which I always laughed at, thinking who would ever do that. And then literally a month after they gave up the FIM, the FIM went and got in bed with, you know, the World Supercross guys. So, you know, but again, it's no competitor to AMA Supercross. It's just not. But the fear that they, I 100% believe that they just wrote that check to FIM for all this time and just, you know, in the end, these FIM guys just continually, you know, showed that they were not applying appropriate rules. Should our guys have been punished? 100%. But should they have been punished as much as they were? Nope. No chance. So, all right. That's my Yeah, this essentially was uh, an 18-month is really what the the sentence was for James. Now, it only ended up being 12 months because they didn't retroactively remove these results. But let's be honest, it did wreck this 2014 season anyway. Mm -hmm. So it kind of was a year and a half. Yeah. penalty really yeah yeah his results and, were uh, terrible after the everything was announced yeah so well it was weird because yeah this came out like days later and then the next weekend i believe we went to muddy creek and it was like he just went one one he's back in the title hunt but he's got this hanging over him and i believe he got into first turn crashes in both motos and it was like okay so we don't really we can't really judge yet if it's affected his riding but then every week was a disaster after this yeah and you're like okay it officially <laughs> was making a difference yeah absolutely well, yep. uh, thanks uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Scott, Max's Guts, Decal Works, and most importantly, the folks at Liat, all on board with this. Reraceables 2014 High Point. Great great day from Mike Webb and James Stewart. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Weege. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, good show. Thank you, Mike Webb.